1: Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to a special hot take edition of the No Huddle Show. Joe Giglio with you, of course, along with Elliot Shore Parks, Matt Lombardo. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. We're bringing this podcast to you. Not, not after really a game. I mean, the Eagles did beat up the Niners on Sunday. But this hot take episode is after a major trade the Eagles made uh, that you heard about yesterday. Uh, Elliot, Matt, you guys had the podcast kind of reacting to this on the spot. Now we're going to take some reader feedback. Jay Ajayi is now part of the Eagles, running back from Miami, a fourth-round pick. Um, we got a lot of reaction here, Elliot, both on email and Twitter. Eagles fans, for the most part, are really excited about this deal. 24 hours later or so, Elliot, how have your thoughts kind of evolved after your podcast yesterday, after you wrote about it, after listening to Howie, where are you now just thinking about Ajayi and how he fits with the Eagles?
2: So I think my opinion on it has evolved. I think I'm seeing the risks about it a little bit more, but ultimately I still think this is a no brainer move you make Um, for kind of the reasons uh, I've touched on. And I think a lot of people have that a 2018 fourth round pick is not a ton to give up. You didn't hurt this team in any way. I like the idea of investing in this team as opposed to the 2000, 2018 draft. So I think those are the positives. Um, I mean, the negatives are, I think the more you read about what people are saying about Jay Ajayi coming out of Miami, that this, I think this is very similar to a move Chip made when he got rid of LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, then as soon as McCoy was gone then you started to hear all the negative things about him about how he was a home run hitter how he wouldn't just take the easy yards and all those things and honestly if i'm an eagles fan and i'm reading that i'm happy because you've seen you've seen what's happened with LaShawn McCoy in Buffalo he's been an extremely productive player so i, I you know i don't think the stuff com- coming out of Miami it's obviously not positive you don't want to read it but even with that coming out and i know it's something we're going to talk about a little more I still think this was a home run of a deal for the Eagles. Uh, I think Ajay is the best running back on the team. I think he'll be able to take advantage of big holes that Legarrette Blunt w- was producing yards out of. But I think you'll see Jay Ajay turn Legarrette Blunt's 15-yard runs into 40-yard runs. I think he's quicker. Um, he's he's just a better running back. And I think to do to add a weapon like that to your offense uh, for a fourth-round pick was a no-brainer, especially when you have three of them already.
1: Let's look at a tweet I got here and then an email, Matt. I want to get your reaction to this. Off of what Elliot's talking about, some of those concerns, which there was a Miami Herald columnist yesterday that wrote a piece basically saying um, that Ajayi was thought of maybe as a me-first type of player down in Miami. We know there's been a lot of stories coming out that he and head coach Adam Gase were not on the same page. So the first is an email, Matt, here from a, a listener of ours named Mike Kinsey. He said, on paper, I really like this trade and what Jay brings to the running game. However, after hearing the reports – On his poor attitude, I am very concerned about the potential impact on the locker room and team chemistry. Can't wait to hear it take. So we have that side of it, which is the bad. And then I got this tweet yesterday, and I thought it was interesting, uh, from a user named James on Twitter who said that this trade reminds him a little bit of when Buffalo, and this is like what Elliot was saying with McCoy, when Buffalo traded away Marshawn Lynch all those years ago to Seattle. A lot of these things were said about Lynch and team chemistry and his personality He worked out well for Seattle. Matt, how do you think you balance those things in your mind?
0: Yeah, guys, I, I'm really not concerned about that element of it at all. I talked about it on our podcast yesterday. I did radio on NBC Sports Radio in Washington, D.C., did radio down there. And my thought on this is you can hear about a bad apple in a bad locker room in a bad situation with Jay Cutler, who might have the worst attitude and worst work ethic of any quarterback currently starting in the league. That team isn't anywhere close to sniffing the playoffs in the AFC East. You bring him into Philadelphia and I know Elliot can to this. We've been covering the team for about the same amount of time. This is the strongest Eagles locker room that I've been around. And mm-hmm. there's that blend of Malcolm Jenkins, of LeGarrette Blunt, of guys that have won Super Bowls. Torrey Smith played in a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. This is an experienced team with a franchise quarterback where Jay Ajayi isn't necessarily the, the guy on this offense. He's a component in a running back by committee. He's probably going to be at the top of the depth chart. I wrote the winners and losers column yesterday, and I think that LeGarrette Blunt might actually benefit because he can now revert to that short yardage and late-game battering ram role. They'll find a way to implement Ajayi, not just into the offense and into the scheme, but also into this locker room. So I'm not all that worried about locker room chemistry. I think they'll be fine in that regard, and winning cures. They have a chance to be 8-1 and one going into the bye week, and that culture is going to continue to, to build leading into that Cowboy game. And just as far as the trade overall goes, guys, I talked about it on the podcast yesterday with you, Elliot, I think you have to begin a a strong case for Howie Roseman being executive of the year. And I love this strategy. It goes back to the summertime when you traded a third-round pick for Ronald Darby, a young cornerback in, I believe, what, his third season. You look at bringing in Jay Ajayi, 24 years old, in his third season for a fourth-round pick. I know they're short on draft capital over the next two years, particularly in 2018, but Ajayi is a relatively proven commodity. They did homework on him three years ago prior to the draft. Howie Roseman talked about how they scouted him when he was in town with the Dolphins for that joint practice during the preseason. So they have experience there. He has a track record there. He's on a rookie deal for one more year. So you're essentially getting a running back who can be the bell cow on this team for the next several years with a year and a half to evaluate him before you have to sign him. So I think it's a great move. I think it's a great investment draft picks in the Derby trade and in this trade. And and I really don't see outside of maybe health concerns about a potential knee injury, but I look at the chemistry issue as as a non-starter moving forward. We'll see how he ingratiates over the next couple of days, but I just don't see it being an issue with this team and this culture. And
2: one one quick thing on the chemistry thing before we move on. You know, I've been as critical as any reporter, in my opinion, of Alshon, the player, but As a person, Alshon has come in and completely put the team first. I mean, he has, I mean, Jay Ajay is going to come to the Eagles and he's going to want to show that the things that the uh, Dolphins reporters have reported about him, which are clearly coming from the team, um, have said about it, isn't true. He's going to want to show he's not a team. He's not a a me first guy. He's going to not want to cause a rift in a 7 1 locker room. That's all well and good. Alshon has way more incentive to complain about lack of touches because he's in a contract year looking to get a new deal this offseason that will potentially pay him, I mean, millions and millions of dollars. So Alshon has every reason in the world to complain about his you know, lack of production. But he hasn't, and he's been a, um, a team-first guy. I mean, he's spoken about how he's more than willing to kind of be a decoy for some people, uh, for other players, and I think that's been very admirable. So if you're, if you're Jay Ajayi, I mean, you already have an example of a guy in the locker room on the offensive side of the ball that is putting the team first. And as far as leaders go, I mean, I do think a lot of the vocal leaders are on the defensive side of the ball and not so much in the running back locker room, but, or the, the running back uh, meeting room but I think I think it'll be fine I mean Doug has a lot of strengths as a head coach but one of them is certainly his ability to relate to players and deal with them and
0: right, I think- I'd say LeGarrette Blunt is a leader on this team Carson Wentz is mm. certainly the leader of the franchise Alshon Jeffrey Tory Smith they've become mentors and leaders and it might not be in the entire position group of the running back room but Blunt is sitting in there Deuce Staley is sitting in there as a leader and one of the more highly respected coaches in this entire building so so they're are examples to be set, not to mention the offensive line, which you talk about Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey. Those are three really strong leaders on the offensive side of the ball. I don't see that same leadership structure down there in Miami outside of maybe someone like Cameron Wake, who's a defensive end, and maybe Jarvis Landry. But he was on the market as late as yesterday as well. So I just think the culture that Doug has built here, the coaching staff, the veterans, the young up-and-coming players, I just think there's a better foundation to get the most out of Ajayi, the player, and get the most out of him as a person as well. I agree with both of you that this –
1: I don't think this is going to ruin the locker room. I don't think this is going to be a big distraction. I think the next layer of this is how Doug Peterson deploys these running backs. Uh, uh, Elliot, I thought it was interesting yesterday at the press conference listening to Howie. He – I mean, you could tell they like this guy. They want him to be their guy, and they didn't just trade a pick for him for no reason. But Howie talked about Ajayi as a part of the mix. He didn't Mm -hmm. speak about him yesterday as – the running back, and everyone else kind of falls in line, which I think is interesting. We're probably going to have to see how it evolves over the rest of the season. We had a couple emails on this idea of how they're going to do this and how the running backs will play, depending on the carries they get. Uh, Ryan Quindelin said, hey, guys, big fan. Was frantically hitting refresh on your page this morning, waiting for your take on the Ajayi trade. He said he'd give it a B plus. Wentz must be so excited. and Then he went on to say, curious to see how this impacts Blunt's production. He seems like the kind of back who needs to keep his feet warm, seems less explosive when he splits carries. Jordan Webster had a very similar uh, take. Do you think it will cause issues in the locker room or be content in this new role with Blunt as long as he keeps winning? Um, Elliot, what do you think about this in terms of how Doug will now deploy Ajayi, Blunt, Smallwood, Clement, all their backs?
2: Well, the first thing I'll say is Smallwood's a basic non-factor at this point. I think he's had his shot multiple times to uh, etch out a role on this team, and he hasn't been able to do it. It wouldn't surprise me if he's inactive this Sunday against the Broncos. So I wouldn't even worry about Smallwood at this point. Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi are now your two young running backs you're worrying about bringing on. So Smallwood, don't even you know I don't even think he needs to be in the conversation. As far as Blunt, um, yeah, I mean his production is going to dip. Cause he's probably not going to get as many touches now that that as Matt's pointed out later in the season, that might mean come December, you know, come January when this team's playing in the playoffs, he'll be fresher. And I think that's a good thing, but I think the running back production overall will go up. Um, so I think you'll see less from blunt, but I do think in terms of how you'll see Jay Ajayi used, I mean, Howie Roseman, talked about it at the podium and the thing about how he is he uses the podium like he's not just up there answering questions he goes up there with with a mission he doesn't reveal things he knows what he wants to say and I my takeaway from him talking yesterday was he's not you know just gonna say oh Jay Ajay is the number one guy he's a great player you know he's gonna change our offense and I think part of that is because of what uh, his reputation was in Miami. I don't think he wanted to go up there and stroke his ego. He wants J.J. I didn't know he's coming in here. He's going to have to work and earn his spot. But I also think he wanted to show LeGarrette Blunt some respect that he's earned, frankly. I mean, look, I didn't think LeGarrette Blunt was going to have a good year in training camp. I mean, he didn't look good. But he has played well, and he has – he's a big reason this team, 7-1. and one. Um, So I, I do think that was kind of how he's goal. But at the end of the day, J.J. is going to be here in 2018, and LeGarrette Blunt probably isn't. So – Maybe not this Sunday. You won't see J.J. touch the ball a ton. But I think they want to make him a part of this offense, get him on the same page with Carson, so that he's ready to roll and be a huge part of this team in 2018.
0: Yeah, two things here. I, I don't know. I mean, we can all easily, and I wrote about it yesterday in terms of how it affects the depth chart. I agree with Elliot that Jay J- Ajayi is the best and most complete running back on this roster right now. He's the only running back, in my opinion, that's going to have a legitimate impact on this team in 2018. But let's just take a step back and look at how the Eagles have used their running backs throughout the course of the year. You look at week one, it was mostly LeGarrette Blount. You look at the the aggressive quick front seven of the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the Wendell Smallwood show, a little bit of Darren, a lot of Darren Sproles, actually. Sproles goes down in week three, Blunt and and Clement kind of split the carries from there. Smallwood gets a bulk of the carries against the the Chargers. This has been a matchup driven offense, a matchup driven scheme. And I don't know how much that changes. I think that Ajayi, when you look at the stat book, is going to lead in touches, but I don't think it's going to be an area where he has 25 carries and LeGarrette Blunt has seven. I I think that Doug is going to continue to be matchup oriented in how he game plans each week. And I also think that what it's going to do, and, and Elliot touched on it a little bit there, it's going to keep LeGarrett Blunt fresh. He already has 100 carries on the season. We're halfway through the year. Last season, if you look at his numbers, he had 300 carries, just carries, not touches, carries with the Patriots. His numbers cratered in December. They were even worse. He averaged only 3.1 yards per attempt in the postseason with the Patriots. So now you can lose, use LeGarrett Blunt in the fourth quarter when you're trying to solve. Out wins you can use LeGarrette Blunt on third and short but I think the running back with the best chance to be a three down back is Ajayi but guys I don't know that Doug Peterson's going to change the way he game plans all that much and that this is going to be anything more than a running back by committee with Ajayi getting slightly more touches I don't think he's going to be the bell cow I don't think he's going to be a 30 touch per game back let's jump to the Howie conversation here. Matt, you brought this up a few minutes ago. It is
1: interesting. We, I think we touched on this maybe a week or two ago with the idea that the Eagles could have the MVP of the quarterback with Carson West. They could have Coach of the Year, Doug Peterson. They could have Executive of the Year, Howie Roseman. And Howie... If not cemented, you know, his part of this. Uh, he certainly pushed it forward a little bit. So we get an email from Cameron Robinson. Great move. We traded a fourth round pick for a 24-year-old home run hitter that rushed for twelve hundred yards last year. Howie is all in. Um, and then uh, at Jared G underscore thirteen on Twitter, hashtag the no huddle show. Absolute steal again by Roseman. Basically traded Eric Rowan Bradford for a Jaya Barnett and their other fourth this year. Elliot. This move, just in the idea of what he gave up to get him and how he had these picks and to go make the move now,
2: what did it tell you about Howie? Well, I mean, it is who Howie is. He's always the kind of guy that's going to make a big splash. I think he's always shown that as his time as general manager. Some of of the trades have worked out. Some of the big signings have worked out. A lot of them haven't. Now, we'll see what happens here. But I think uh, as I was driving home from the Novak yesterday, one thing I was thinking was, you know, when you look at the moves Howie's made, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat by any means, but he doesn't GM like a guy that feels he has five, six years to build this thing. And if you remember when uh, Jeffrey Lurie rehired Howie, he said, you know, Howie's going to be graded harshly. And he's, you know, I, I just remember Lurie wasn't painting this as, as a rebuilding that he expected Howie and he was going to be grading Howie as a win now type GM. And these are the type of moves you make. I mean, the 2018 draft is decimated at this point point. and I think that's the right call. I think that they should invest in this team. I'm still questioning the decision to give up the third round pick for Ronald Darby, but that's a debate for another podcast. Um, but Howie's showing he's going to win now. He's going he sees an opportunity. I mean, this is probably the best chance Howie's had as a general manager to get his team to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, maybe that one year with Michael Vick when he got hot. Um, but I think this is Howie's best chance. I think he sees it. And I think Howie sees what a lot of people do. And, I mean, you know, we can debate how good we think the running backs are and people saying, well, they didn't need a running back. They didn't need a running back. Well, clearly the Eagles felt they needed a running back. So, you know, the, the Eagles aren't content with just being fourth. They know what they're looking at. And Howie's always going to be the type of guy that will make a move if he sees the, the, the uh, option to do it and he's not afraid to. So I, I like that aggressiveness from Howie. We'll see if it works out.
0: Yeah, I think this is a win now and building for the future type of move. Listen, they didn't trade for a 30 plus year old Frank Gore. They they didn't make the move, which you can argue whether or not the Seahawks overpaid for Dwayne Brown. I think that at least part of the reason why Seattle made that move and gave up a young cornerback in addition to draft capital was to keep him away from the Eagles because they have such a need at left tackle. But this is a 24 year old running back. And and you look at the fact that he has established himself in the NFL. There's a pedigree that you can study in terms of what he's done at this level, where you look at the running backs in this past year's draft, namely the ones that went after the second or third round. Just look at Danelle Pumphrey. Look at what you got out of Corey Clement as an undrafted rookie free agent. This is a guy that you invested a fourth round pick in this year who can be your running back, not only for the rest of this year, but maybe the centerpiece of your running game next year and beyond. And if it doesn't work out, you're not locked into a long-term contract, and you gave it a shot. So I, I don't see a whole lot of downside for making this type of a move or the Derby move. They're almost simultaneously building a roster capable of winning now with enough youth to be centerpieces of both the offense and the defense for the next several years.
1: It feels like the window, they've cracked this window open, and now they're they're kind of pushing it open even more for this year and even next year. I agree with that, Matt. Um, the idea they traded for a running back, though, Ellie, go back mm-hmm. to yesterday morning when this news broke and just kind of your feeling on it. Because the rumors and the thoughts were offensive tackle because Jason Peters is out. I even thought maybe a linebacker could be in the mix just because they're thin. Been- there now um we know there were some rumors out there with frank gore and vimy veteran running backs the ajayi thing took us uh off guard at the max weiss It seemed gratuitous bigger needs elsewhere hashtag the no Adult show do you think this roster is okay with using the resource they used to get a running back instead of you know let's say a left tackle or a linebacker and, and leaving those holes empty
2: yeah i mean without knowing who they had the opportunity to get and i do know that they tried to trade for an offensive tackle um I mean, it just, I think the price tag, you look at what Dwayne Dwayne Brown from uh, Houston, you look what the Seahawks gave up for him. That's a lot to give up. I mean, the Eagles, well, I guess they could have traded the second round pick in 2019, but I, I think that would have been overpay. Look, I'm bigger on Vitai than a lot of Eagles fans are, That, and that's not even to say that I think he's going to be great. It's just Eagles fans are so concerned he's going to be terrible. They're not even giving him a chance. I think he played well against the Niners. He gave up the one sack, but overall, I thought he kept Wentz pretty clean. The pressure wasn't his fault. So to me, the Eagles' biggest concern was more at backup offensive tackle. And I think, yeah, would you have liked to add someone? Yeah, but in my opinion, the Eagles did the right thing, and they added the best player they could with that 53rd roster spot. Um, And I think they didn't give up a ton to do it. So, look, the offensive line, Vitae is going to have to prove Um, that, you know, he can man this job. And if he doesn't, the Eagles are in serious trouble. There's no denying that because Sayamalu at tackle is not great. Maybe you move Lane over to left, but then again, you have to put Sayamalu at right. And Taylor Hart shouldn't go anywhere near the football field this season. Um, Maybe maybe you develop him for next year. But, yeah, they have serious issues. They have serious potential issues at offensive tackle if Vitai doesn't pan out. But I think Vitai will play well. So, yeah, if you could have added, you know, a – Pro Bowl caliber, cause let's be honest, they added a Pro Bowl caliber running back. Um, if you could have added a Pro Bowl caliber caliber tackle for a fourth round pick, then yeah, I, I think I would have done it. But um, apparently, I mean, seems as if those options were not out there. So Howie just added the best available player he could. And I think that was the right way to go about it.
1: Matt, your thoughts on who they what they added compared to what they maybe would have needed and and leaving that left tackle and leaving that linebacker spot Um Un, you know, unfixed or, or left just the way it was.
0: Yeah. We'll see what happens at tackle. I, I mean, look, Vitai kind of is what he is. I think he's a project player at this point who's playing a lot more snaps than you'd like to see him play at this stage of his career. I would have liked to see them go out and get a tackle, but once Joe Staley fractured his orbital bone and that kind of took him out of the market, Dwayne Brown was the best available. Who knows what cor- the price tag was on Cordy Glenn, but uh, guys, I, I, I said it two weeks ago. I'll say it again. I think that Vitae starting at left tackle is going to cost this team at least one game, and I think that the Niners authored the game plan on how to beat this team. They Well, they lost. The left Just putting oh. that out there. Well, right, because they're 0-8, and and they don't have the talent to execute it. But that doesn't mean that in a loss you can't expose the flaws of a team. They sacked Wentz three times in the first half. They hit him seven more times throughout the course of the game. And a team that has more talent defensively, that can run delayed blitzes with their safeties up the middle while bringing pressure off the left edge, when you're double-teaming the left tackle with your best pass rusher, those are the type of things that the Broncos are going to do. Those are the type of things that the Raiders are going to do, that the Cowboys, when you play them, Twice this year are going to do. Seattle, LA has the chance to do that. I, I know that the Eagles were proactive in terms of bringing in a pass-catching running back who might be a slight upgrade in terms of pass protection. But I think that the Niners showed teams how to beat the Eagles. They just weren't equipped on either side of the ball to actually yeah, see, but, but, do it. And I think that they, I think they made a mistake, the Eagles, by not being as aggressive a tackle as they were at running back.
2: But see, my only, my only counter to that would be that whether that's the blueprint or not, I mean, teams have been blitzing the Eagles all year and realistically you weren't going to be able to add with, unless you overpay that. I mean, you add, I mean, Howie Roseman says a lot of things at the podium that I disagree with, but one thing he does say is look, it's hard to add quality offensive tackle help. I mean, teams just don't give that away. So I see your point and I agree that teams are going to blitz the Eagles and it's gonna be up to them to scheme and it's gonna be up against Doug to figure out how to handle that. But I don't think there's a trade they could have made uh, on Tuesday, no, but I'd, would have I'd, I'd still go problem. out and
0: kick the tires on a, a veteran like Brandon Albert. I'd still go out and try to bring
2: in, and I'm sure they uh, did. I'm just saying, I, I don't I don't think bringing in any of those guys would have changed the fact that, because one, I think no matter who the Eagles traded for, Vitai was going to be their starter. I just do, but two, um, not a, I, not if you traded for Dwayne Brown, not yeah, if you
0: traded for Cordy Glenn. I mean, they they walk in here and and they're. They're the starter
2: immediately, if, if not the starter against the Broncos. They're lined up against the Cowboys. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, first, I don't think the Eagles were going to pay what it took to get to get Dwayne Brown. So, I mean, yeah, if they would have given up a 2019 second round pick for Dwayne Brown, he probably would have ended up being the starter. But I guess my point is, I don't think there's any trade realistically the Eagles could have made that would have been that would have resulted in Vieta being benched, or B would have prevented teams from blitzing them. That's my only that's my only counter I'm making. I, I agree with you that the 49ers who do, I mean, have a fairly talented front front four. But um, I do think, yeah, they they did author to a certain point how you get pressure on Carson Wentz and the Eagles. But I think teams were going to do that regardless of what, of the trade the Eagles made on Tuesday.
1: This reminds me, this whole, this debate here and, you know, using your resources on something maybe you don't need because what you really need is too expensive. It's almost like in baseball when teams need a starting pitcher and it's like, well, we can't get one. Well, they get another relief pitcher to kind of help out in a different way to mitigate the loss and, it brings me to, to Doug here, Elliot. I mean, what do, what do you think this trade says about Doug? One, to bring in a guy like Ajayi to the locker room after another coach, Adam Gase, didn't really want him anymore. And two, I feel like this whole conversation is Vitae's still going to be a left tackle. We're giving Doug another back to use. And it's up to Doug Peterson to scheme an offense that one protects Carson Wentz, two still works, and three can you know kind of offset the loss that they have at left tackle with adding a running
2: back. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a move you make if you're confident in Doug on two regards. One, you're confident in Doug. He'll be able to handle the fact of adding Ajayi to the locker room. And, and I think one thing I want to add before I go on is, you know, you, you read a lot about what's coming out of Miami about uh, Adam Gase. And he seems a lot like Chip Kelly in the way that he's trying to change that locker room and change culture. And he's giving away talented players to do it. I know that Gase is, and, and Chip Kelly are, are fairly close. So, I mean, I'm not saying Chip. I'm not saying that Chip like suggests he do this or anything like that, but I do think that they probably have a similar mindset in that regard. Um, but in, in regard to Doug, I do think uh, they, they trust Doug to make this work both on two ways. One, off the field in the locker room, and two, as a play caller. And one thing I've said about Doug since 2016 preseason was he is good at featuring guys and getting the guys in position, like working to his player strength. I think you've seen that with Ertz, you've seen that with Aguilar, um, not so much with Tory or Alshon yet, but I do think he'll be able to uh, integrate a not only into the locker room but into the offense without upsetting people, but also getting the best out of a Ja uh, out of a that Miami wasn't able to this year.
1: All right, let's let's wrap with this because I, I think this is now the, the conversation. They have a I know you, you guys talked about uh, their Super Bowl chances in their window we did it a little bit yesterday a little today uh, we have a tweet here Matt from at Eagles SZN 2017 with the addition of Ajayi the Eagles will finish 14 and 2 hashtag boom hashtag the no huddle show I'm not sure if that's going to happen but how do you view this roster now Matt seven and one adding a back that over the last two years even with some down games this year is top five in the NFL in rushing
0: yeah, I think that they have completely shifted the balance of power in the NFC East in particular because not only did the Eagles get a JIA, they prevented the Cowboys from getting him. Let's not forget Ezekiel Elliott is going to be suspended for six games beginning as early as this Sunday, which means he's not eligible again until, what, week six week 14, I believe it is. He can actually come back. So the Cowboys are probably shopping for running backs. The Eagles got him, kept him out of Dallas. They cemented their own roster. I think they're clearly now in that group of teams to beat in the NFC. I think that it's, it's a hierarchy of four teams. It's the Eagles, it's the Seahawks, it is the New Orleans Saints, and it's the Los Angeles Rams, and it's a race to the finish line. I think the Eagles are well-positioned, depending on how Vitae holds up, to finish anywhere from... 12 and 4 to 13 and 3 at this stage. It's going to be a really bumpy second half when you got to go to the West Coast for two games. You got to play Dallas twice. The Raiders come here on Christmas, but they've built themselves a beautiful cushion at 7 and 1 and potentially 8 and 1 going into the bye week where. As of today, they're in the driver's seat for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And I think that if you finish with anything other than a bye week and one home game, then you can say that the second half was a bit of a collapse, but I don't think that it's, even in a worst case scenario, I don't think they fall anywhere lower than
2: maybe the second seed. Yeah, I agree. Um, The one thing I will say is, you I look at it in two ways. First, just a flat-out regular season. I mean, they have Denver, it's Chicago, Dallas twice, the Giants. I'm not saying they win all those games, but I think they probably go You know, maybe one loss in that group. Um, I'm not as big on the Rams as other people are. I mean, traveling there after a week of being out in California, that is going to be a tough game, and it's one of the tougher games remaining. But to me, when I look at – I think they'll finish with 12 wins and they'll finish with a top-two record in the NFC. But to me, I think it's key that the Eagles finish first. For a number of reasons. One, just because it's always better to finish first and second. But two this team does not want to go to Seattle for an NFC championship game or a playoff game. To me, even though the addition of a is a good one for the Eagles, the addition of Dwayne Brown's potentially a very good one for Seattle because their biggest weakness was their offensive line. The Eagles biggest weakness was, was not their running back group. So I think Seattle addressed a need more than the Eagles did. Um, Jay might be a better player than Dwayne Brown, but I just think when you look at the Seahawks, the addition of Dwayne Brown makes that offensive line better. And I think the Seahawks were already going to be an extremely tough opponent for the Eagles because they have a great defense. They have a super bowl winning quarterback and they have a ton of playoff experience and the teams are going to be an issue for the Eagles come playoff time. Our teams with playoff experience and and good quarterbacks. I mean, the Eagles don't have playoff experience. They could be the best team in the league this year. They could finish 15 and 1. They could lay an egg in the first round or their in their first playoff game just because they'd never been there before. I'm not saying I think they will, but that that's just reality of the situation. So, I think at this point, I think they should finish with a top 2 record in the in in the NFC, but I still think if I was putting on my power rankings, I would. I'm. I'm just in terms of who I think has a better chance of getting the Super Bowl. I think Seattle has a better chance of getting the Super Bowl than the Eagles at this point, just because of their playoff experience. But watch out for worried. the
0: Saints. They've won uh, five I'm in not, a row. Drew Brees yeah. is still the quarterback. And, and I know you dismissed the Rams. They they have an upper tier, top fifteen quarterback, a uh, top see, ten defense.
2: That's where I disagree with you on. Okay. I don't think. I mean,
0: Goff, go, 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 go watch a little more Jared Goff. And then you look yeah. at Sean McVay, who probably has a better coach of the year resume at this moment than Doug does. I'm not saying that the Rams are the best team in the conference, but I don't think that you can just glance over them and say, oh, that's cute what they're doing. They're five and two in the NFC West. They went toe to toe with the Seahawks and the Eagles have to go there. I think the chance the Eagles lose both to Seattle and the Rams and we'll see how that impacts you in terms of tiebreakers. But, but yeah, you walk yeah. into the postseason at 12 and four, you better play New Orleans in Philadelphia. Is all I'm saying because Drew Brees coming in here and, and you know, God forbid, from an Eagle standpoint, going to New Orleans in the playoffs—that's not a scenario I think this team would really feel comfortable in.
2: Right. Well, I just the way I look at it is this. I think if if you look at all the potential games the Eagles could play in the playoffs, I think I would pick them to beat the Rams in Philadelphia. I would pick them to beat the Rams in Los Angeles. So I'm not worried about the Rams. The Seahawks, I think I would probably pick them to lose either in Philly or Seattle. The Saints, I agree with you that if they had to go to New Orleans, that would be very tough. I think I'd probably pick the Eagles in Philly, but that would be one of the tougher, that that would be a 50-50 thing. So I think that's kind of where the Eagles stand right now. But that being said, we talked about Jay Ajayi for the first 35 minutes of this podcast. If he turns out to be a huge difference maker in the running game. And all of a sudden they have a, a running back. That's an actual weapon. You know, in three, four weeks, we could be talking about this team a lot differently.
0: Yep. I don't, I don't disagree, but let's, let's just remember they had, I believe the fourth ranked rushing offense before making this trade. So I, I don't know that the he helps but believe it, me. He helps, especially. See, catching see, the see, ball It feels out of the like
2: pack. a lot of those yards came against the giants and the, uh, charge. I don't, to go and look it up, but I mean, those were bad rushing defenses that they just kind of beat up on for two weeks. But I feel like the last few weeks, I mean, Wentz has been getting a decent chunk of yardage. I know he didn't actually last in their last game, but against the Panthers, he did. I feel like he did against the Redskins, too. I think um, he was their leading rusher against the Redskins. Yeah, so I, I feel like the, the running game, even though they're fourth in total yards, um, I'd have to look up and see where they are in terms of yards per carry, and I'd have to look up and see where the running backs are. But regardless, I mean, we've, we've had that debate. I see your point. I just think Jay Ajayi, much like Dwayne Brown has he has the ability to completely change how we view this team in four weeks.
1: I agree with that. And I, I think the Eagles and Seahawks are the best teams in the NFC. And I'm with you, Elliot. I think home field is critical. Uh, I think whoever's going to get it's probably going to go to the Super Bowl. And look, if it's, and look, whoever wins these deals may, might change the balance of power here. If Brown is great and Ajayi isn't, then the Seahawks probably leap above of. if they're both good it's probably even and you know vice versa but they look like the best teams and uh it's gonna be fun watching this down the stretch uh Ajayi's here now the Eagles are seven and one and have a chance to actually get better with uh with some guys coming back from injury and and a new running back down the stretch of the season all right everyone thank you for listening the hot take episode here and Elliot, have we checked how are we doing with uh our reviews here
2: come on man I check every day we're oh, at, right, we're right now we're at 184 which is very good we're still four and a half stars um I still want to get to 200 by Dallas. I'm secretly hoping we get there by Denver. We're 16 away. We have, what, four or five days to get there. So if you've listened to the podcast at this point, we're up to 35 minutes. You already, you clearly like the podcast. Just take a second, go in there, leave a review. We really appreciate it. I'm trying to get to 200 um, by Denver. I'm just, just going to say it. So I really hope we get there. So go ahead and leave a review. 200 by Denver is the goal. JHI is an eagle. We need some
1: more reviews. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Matt, thanks for doing this talk to you next week. Thanks, Elliot. Yep. Talk to you soon. Thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com.